How was your Mike's Hard Lemonade? It wasn't a Mike's Hard Lemonade. What is it? The lemon drop, bro. Did you drink it Club all? Dales. Yeah, I drank the whole thing. Does it actually taste like a lemon drop? This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. This is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia, and you are listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. What's going on, guys? This is episode 12 of the Herpeticulture Podcast. My name is Jacob Braz with JLB Morelia, and I am here with... Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And tonight, we are here with Luke Myers, a.k.a. Luke Snakewalker on Instagram. <laughs> I gotta say, that's the pretty mo- that's pretty much the most baller Instagram <laughs> tag I've ever seen. I love it. <laughs> What's going on? Thank man? you. Another much, man. Thank you. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you guys liked the name. I, I got to give my girlfriend credit for that one. Though. She came up with it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's pretty. It's pretty legit. I like it. All right. Uh, so uh, let's talk about some green trees today. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all. Y'all go so ahead and take So, sort that of the away. the backstory of how this episode came to be is most of you guys in the Condro community saw Luke post a baby recently, and. Uh, for sale and jacob hit me up he's like dude check this out and i saw it and i was like oh man dude as soon as i saw it i was like yo justin's gotta get this like that's not a bad price either i know he just sold a bunch of crested like he's gotta he's gotta snag this up and i messaged Lu- and i actually it turns out i had been following you on instagram for a while oh cool yeah. gotta love it when that still works out like that yeah and so then it was like 45 minutes later i was sending you money and it was like, <laughs> i got it dude no. It was. I did not expect that. I was like, "Oh, let's just throw some feelers out there and see if anyone wants it." It was like, "Boom!" I was like, "No way!" Yeah, <laughs> that was that was awesome. I gotta admit, I was pretty excited about that because everyone was like, "Wow, that was quick." <laughs> I did not expect that. I thought like someone would maybe message me like the next day, but no, good to go. And uh, I gotta say, I think that's gonna be like the one I regret selling. I mean, it's an awesome little snake. It's pretty cool. Nice, I'm freaking excited, dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm. Ju- I think I'm just as excited to see this thing, mm-hmm. man. That thing looks sweet from the pictures I've seen, man. As soon as I saw it, I freaked out. I was like, "Yo, Justin's gotta gotta pick this thing up mm-hmm. for sure." So I actually, yeah. I know the the female has some. Is it some Maxwell blood in her down the line? Yeah, here I can. I can grab some notes. I know it has somewhere down the lineage. It has some of Azulich blue line. Um, it was produced, the, the female sire was produced by Greg Maxwell, and it was here, where are my notes? Ever written down, right here. I can read them off exactly, so I don't say anything wrong. Yeah, and I actually, I meant to look up, like, the, uh, the lineage you have for the female. I was actually planning at some point to dig around on the internet webs and see what I could find. Yeah, so the... The the sire that produced the female was Greg Maxwell's pairing of Zulu times Jewel, which mm-hmm. had Al Zulu's blue line in it, and then it was paired to a uh, undocumented hormone hormonal blue uh, Jayapura, and then the male. I mean, he was sold to me as a Manakwari, but it was Craigslist, 
so I've just decided to go undocumented. Mm-hmm. But even if he's not a, even if he's not a Manaquari, I'm pretty sure he's like a hundred percent northern. I mean, he's just as stereotypical northern type as you could get. Yeah. Um, so it's mostly a, a northern baby and old man. I'm telling you, those uh, those little tails. I I don't know why, but the black tail, the skinny black tail, gets me. Like I I think uh, I'm team northern type. Close to Southerns for uh, forever. I love it. Mhm. Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited, man. Those those the parents are are nice. I mean, you know, they don't have a, it, like the they're the they don't have a ton of blue, but I you know I fully expect the the baby with the the stripe it's got going on to to have some pretty pretty rocking blues. Dude, that's a that's a pretty gnarly stripe that baby's got mm-hmm. going on. That thing's running. Mm-hmm. That, is that a full stripe, Luke? Does it break it all anywhere? It has a little bit of a break around the tail, and then it has these on the at the very end of the tail too. It has these big blotches like on the side, so it, the tail gets really crazy. Uh, nice, but yeah, it's almost a complete stripe. I think there's only one that has a 100% uh, stripe all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them, it was crazy. I think there's only one that has no stripe whatsoever out of all eight that hatched. But almost all of them have uh, pretty nice striping, and yeah, it was even a. Uh, I, was, I don't know if you've ever seen Patrick Holmes post, but I think he was saying that he thinks they're going to mostly be that whole that whole dorsal pattern is going to be pretty blue. Yeah, right. and um, and even the male. I mean, I think I sent you some pictures of its tail, but yeah, you did. He kind of he kind of has yellow that goes along the side. Yeah, like the green turns into the yellow, and I'm just praying that some of the babies end up like that. Mm-hmm. So if I even get a little bit of yellow in there. Oh, be so hyped. So, <laughs> Should how, be cool. How long have you been keeping condros? Only three years. Uh, well, it'll be three years in December. Okay. So, a little less than three. Um, yeah, it was funny. Actually, a condro, it was my first snake ever. Um, oh, really? Wow. And, yeah. And I just went for it, you know. Uh, I was like, I'm not going to try to get an intro snake. And, you know, and then just in the hopes of, you know, one day getting a green tree. So I just did my research. Got a, I got my first mail off Craigslist too, mm-hmm. and um, so yeah, did I. It's just, it, it's, uh, it's funny. I, I, my first snake was a chondro, and then everything else I tried. Like I tried getting into other things, and in my opinion, just nothing was as cool. They'd always stay for like a few weeks, and then I'd sell them and be like, "Man, why am I even trying other stuff?" Like I like green trees. Yeah, <laughs> you know. See, and I don't um, have an issue with that because I mean, like. Yeah, there's, you know, plenty of beginner species you can tell people to start mm-hmm. out with, but I think if someone's actually going to put in the time to really research stuff and actually, like, really do and get everything they need together to uh, to keep, you know, what would be considered a more advanced species, right. you know, if you're going to go about it that way and, like, really make sure you have everything down pat, then I have no issue with it. No, absolutely not. Like, no one says yeah. you have to start with a corn or, you know, a ball or anything else like right. that, but if you are going to... You know, if you're going to swing for the fences, make sure you you have your, your best bat, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, sure. like, I mean, I think excluding, like, maybe really large snakes or, like, monitors and, like, venomous, like, no. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's definitely a whole other world. But, but I, I don't know. I really, I forgot where I read it, but someone was talking about it, and I, I thought it made a lot of sense. But uh, I really didn't like the idea of a beginner animal where I'm just going to have this until I can finally get this. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I I think it's cool to just, if you want something and if you're excited about it, just do the research and, and you know, it's not rocket science. And, you know, I think if you just 
take time to actually do the research, you usually can figure it out. And that's what right. I tell people about conjures too. I'm like, they're really not hard snakes to keep. You just have to make sure you have, you know, if you drop the money on the on the more expensive cages and, you know, you really get everything you need to get that's going to keep them correctly, they're not hard at all. It's when you try mm-hmm. to cut corners and be cheap and stuff and, you know, put them in aquariums right. and with heat lamps and stuff like that. They're, it's, you're you're that, setting yourself up for failure. That's one thing that honestly kind of surprised me. Like, you know, once you and I linked up and started hanging out and, you, you know, you start telling me about chondros. I've done some, I had done a little bit of research about um, green trees, but I never really looked into mm-hmm. it. And then you started telling me about some of the care and you're like, yeah, you know, it's they're really not as hard as people make them out to be. You and just have to give them what they need. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. A, that's a, I think that's a big thing on the internet is people make chondros out to be well, that's this, a, this insanely hard species to keep. That's you know? a myth that's carried them since the yeah. early 90s, you know, when they first started coming in. They were they oh, were yeah. labeled as a species that was tough because they'd get, you know, back then all they had were imports. There wasn't right. really anybody producing them except for Trooper Walsh and, you know, OGs right. like that. Uh <clears throat> So that's, yeah, unfortunately, that's, that's carried with them, you know, throughout mm-hmm. the years and stuff like that. Because I remember as a kid reading Reptiles Magazine and stuff and just remember seeing how expensive they were on King Snake and stuff. And, you know, the captive bred ones back then and the designer thing started really taking off. And you're like, man, those things, those are those are tough. Like, I grew up yeah. just knowing, like, those are not uh, easy species to keep. For sure. And it wasn't until, you know, I got my first one and started keeping it and then started keeping them, you know, right. Properly, uh, yeah. But I was like, dude, these things are a breeze. You just have to give them what they need. Now, I I would say, you know, after having, you know, been around you as long as I have, I'll agree that they're definitely a sensitive species for sure. Mm-hmm. Like if you get something wrong, you Corn know, snakes, they, they, they not. will not react well to that. I think they'll definitely, they're definitely a sensitive mm-hmm. species, but you know, that being said, I don't think they're a hard species to keep right. as long as you have your correct, you know, environment and tools in order to keep one properly. As long as you do all the things correctly, then they're a breeze. But, you know, yeah, I, I definitely it, think they're more on the sensitive side versus carpets or corns or, mm-hmm. you know, things like mm-hmm. the, of the sort. Yeah, for sure. And the thing is, because, I mean, I've had a few people just because, you know, these are like entry level, con- you know what I mean? These are not like designers. So I've had a few people like him hey, thinking about getting my first green tree and come talk to me. And the thing is, too, though, it's uh, half the battle is getting the right information. You know, people are like, oh, you know, I saw someone put it in an exoterra with a fogger on YouTube. I want to do that. It yeah. looks so cool. And you're like, no, like, I promise I'm not lying to you. That's not to- the way to do it for a baby. Like, you know, and I, I really think that is half the battle is finding where to get the right information. Yeah. Right. So many people just still kind of propagate that just kind of like it's terrible husband injury. And, you know, once, once I think, I think uh, I'm all about the Morelia Verdes for them. Even just the Facebook page, I think is better than all the other Green Street Python groups. And I just think there's always good info on there. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, even in that group, you see a ton of people that are like, Oh, I just got this from Petco. What locality is it? And they're keeping it with, you know, the grapevine and the the reptibark <laughs> yep. and the fountain and the yeah. fogger and the fake plants and the whole. And, like, if you yeah. want to keep them that way, like, if you want to keep them in a more natural display sort of setup, you know, by all means. But out of my experience, which my experience is limited to, keep it simple. Right. I've had very little issues mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, and I think people can be successful that way if they know what they're doing. But if you have one ball python and you're just setting this up in your living room, like, I don't see how that's going to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, do the simple, easy way and, and you're good to go. Um, 
but yeah, they run like a top. I mean, I have literally had almost zero issues. Um, I'm still, I'm still kind of, I'll be honest, I'm still working on my husbandry with the females because the adult females, you know, they are, they are a little bit different and I'm not totally happy with my husbandry with them yet. You know, they don't poop that much. I yeah. really, I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the post David Brahms has done, but I yeah, really want to, I really want to try to start doing that because I mean, I'll have, you know, some of my females go like four months without pooping. Mm-hmm. And like, God damn, like this can't be healthy, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. I think there is still a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, especially the males. Oh my God, they're rock solid. See, I've been, ex- so I've been experimenting with that a little bit. Like you could, I, you know, I do want to make a rain chamber at some point and give it a shot. Um, yeah. my adult female's pretty big, so I'd have to get a pretty decent sized tub. Uh, but for the most part, if I know that she's due, you know, I'll, I'll hose her down, you know, and the male if they're together. They, they're in a four-foot animal plastics cage, so they have plenty of room to, to move around and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So if I know she's due, I'll just go in there and hose her down with the mister. Um, and then if that doesn't make it happen, I'll let it dry out. And then whenever it's completely dry, I'll hit her again. And I've noticed that if, you know, even if it's just a little bit of water, uh, usually mm-hmm. that, that sort of that stimulates them to, to make it happen. Um, but I haven't had any issues with her really retaining it and it having any issues, but I don't know. I mean, I've, I've come to the conclusion that they take forever to do that no matter what. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> yeah, I... Yeah, it's just one of those things. Yeah, I'm not a big, you know, conjure keeper at all. Like, I don't keep any, but, you know, from the little bit that I've seen, I feel like a rain chamber is definitely something that could be pretty useful, you know, for, you know, either a, if they're, you know, you, you need them to go to the bathroom if, mm-hmm. if it's been several months or B, you know, for breeding purposes, you know, uh, cause I know from what you've told me, Justin, you know, the area that they go, that they come from, they don't go through more of a, a temperature change. They go through more of a wet season yeah, and a dry season. Seasons. So I really feel like, you know, something like a rain chamber could be pretty, very vital as far as breeding season. Yeah, but I goes. think it's also something you could use for Jaya's. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. You can use it because they, come, they come from the same area. You know, that's mm-hmm. again, that's what I'm thinking, you know, with the IJs, you know, coming from, you know, mm-hmm. Indonesia, you know, the same, you know, Papua New Guinea area. Um, I really feel like that could, you know, yeah, something like that could definitely come into play with them. So that might that may even be something I experiment with um, going into the future, being that I work with the IJs so much. But like I said, I haven't had any issues with that yet. So I mean, with ambush style predators, you know, like your green trees, your blood pythons. Um, you know, my western diamondback is a good example too. Like she's the same way. Like I feed her once a month because they're so stationary. Like they, I right. mean, she moves from hot spot to mm-hmm. cold spot on a pretty regular basis. But I do notice that when I feed her, it takes her forever to, to give it all back. Right. And right. you know, obviously I'm not going to put her in a rain chamber cause that's yeah. not where they come from. Oh, Western diamondback. So, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I feed mm-hmm. her pretty sparingly. I know that she holds it in cause when she goes, she goes like, she's not a big snake and you'd be amazed. Yeah, You've seen it. She's small. It's like, pretty impressive. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, ambush style you know predators like that you know that's that's what they do and i think some of the theories that were floating around on the marilia Vera's forum uh as far as why they do that is because you know if they do that and they're in a hunting area that you know that scent gives them away and so that's going to drive prey away uh and the reason Mm -hmm. that you know it when the rain chamber seems to work so well is because when it rains they do that and then it kind of washes all that away right so which makes sense to me you know i don't know if there's any scientific validity to it but to me that 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 makes sense right mm-hmm. i mean it definitely seems like it works for some people 
I tried it once in the shower and um, recently, and she just she did just so much urate, um, yeah. but she didn't poo. But uh, it was kind of like a makeshift rain chamber where I was in the shower, <laughs> mm-hmm. like a, a temp gun. It was just like checking it every thirty seconds. I mean, that sure makes sense if you can get like a you can get a perch holder or something to put in there, right? You know, just. But I mm-hmm. also I also think if you're going for something like a rain chamber, you don't want it to be like a a 10 minute process. You know? Yeah. No, you're I, supposed to leave I, them in there for like an hour. Yeah. For like a, a while, mm-hmm. you know, even though most like people that, say they, right. they get action out of it in about 10 minutes normally. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But if you're trying to, you know, actually stimulate an actual rain shower, I feel mm-hmm. like it would be a whole lot longer than oh, yeah. 10, 15, yeah, even it's not 30 just gonna, minutes. It's not going to be know? like Florida where it rains for 20 right. minutes and then goes back to being right. Normal, exactly. Like it you know, it would be several mm-hmm. hours, you know, if not an entire day, mm-hmm. not saying I would leave my animal in a rain chamber for, you know, 24 hours going on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back yeah, in three days. <laughs> Taking a long. Now weekend. you said you said you had a, a Western Diamondback back that was kind of similar, right? Yeah. The same kind of issue. Now, do you have a male? Is it like is there a polar difference? Because I mean, the difference between the males and the females for me is just so night and day. It's crazy. With me. westerns. Yeah. Have you ever seen that difference? Do our male kind other, of Western Diamondback? Other than the size. No, I just have this one, and I'm, no, I'm not even I, I 100% think, sure it's a female. I'm pretty sure it's a female. I think I'm, he's referring to the way that it goes, you know, because I think he, what he's saying is that his male chondros, you know, it's night and day versus his females. Oh, it's so he's retaining? Yeah, so he's wondering if yours is a male or female. Oh, and I'm pretty sure it's a female. I don't know for sure. Right. Because mine's, mm-hmm. mine's actually uh, the friend that I got it from, he bought a pair of Western Diamondbacks that were field collected um and of course he, he kept them together not knowing they were a pair and so magically he had nine nine neonates hmm. in a, just woke up one morning yep and he got oh, rid of all of so cool. he got rid of all of them <laughs> but this one and a while back i had sold him one of my indian ornamentals for super cheap uh like i really should have upped the price on that because i've i had that spider for like seven years it was like that was like my child because i had it since it could fit on my thumbnail and it was like the size of my hand Jeez, so dude. i yeah. sold it to him for crazy cheap and i regretted it and then he was like man i need to get rid of this western and he's like you know you can you can have it if you know since you hooked me up with the indian ornamental and i was like all right sure Hell yeah and uh so it's he he's fed it pretty sparingly because he didn't want it to get big and that snake's like three years old and maybe like what two feet two and a half feet if that yeah, yeah it's it's pretty small it's grown a bit since you've had it yeah you know, it's eating adult that. mice now yeah but, it's definitely healthy at a healthy you know weight I just, but I, that's as one far of the as the I, age yeah that's one of the things i noticed small. is like i'd feed her and like there would be no sign of any poop or anything like that for weeks and i'm like when are you gonna like give it up like i know it looks painful almost sometimes yeah like, mm-hmm. that'll oh, wake up one morning and it'll be everywhere and i'm like my god mm-hmm. yep <laughs> There's Same one exact way with my female contract. One thing I did with um, with an IJ that I have back when I was living in Texas, um, I I had only had her for a couple of weeks, and she had she hadn't gone you know for almost a month or so and i could tell man like her back end was just mm-hmm. all kinds of big you know you could tell she was just holding it so i took her out one day handled her handled her a little bit and when i let her when i put her back in i just kind of let her go in so slowly and i massaged her back oh, end God. as she went in mm-hmm. and i closed up the tub and left the room and i came back maybe 20 minutes later I walked in the room and I just went, what is that? I was like, oh my, what the heck is that? <laughs> so I was like, oh, I bet you it was her. I mm-hmm. opened up the tub and it was 
everywhere, yeah. dude. She just let it. Oh all yeah, I actually, out. there's been times where with a with a female, literally same thing. I'll take her outside. I'll be like, let's go do some laps. Make her run around in the grass for thirty minutes. Throw her right back in, and she poops. So that's yeah. hilarious. They I find that with me. my bread lie, all I have to do is change the paper towel. Yeah, dude, you change the paper towel. That <laughs> little, <laughs> that little bit of a stimula- that, that little bit of stimulation, dude. It really has makes them like, go. You know, and new the other paper towel. Yeah, the other day, um, I honestly, I think any type of, you know, hand, oh, there went my phone. Um, sorry. You do that every episode. Well, it's a habit. Um, but I feel like any type of stimulation just really encourages them to go. You know, I had, uh, my, my girlfriend's mom was holding my IJ Jag the other day. And I could tell she had to go. I was mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, this thing's well, she's, no. she's about to, she's about to <laughs> pop." And she's holding her, and luckily she was near the floor, and you know wasn't holding her over her, you know, her dress. Or something, yeah. So she ended mm-hmm. up going on the floor. But you know, any type of little stimulation like that, or even like mm-hmm. you know, a slight change in the enclosure, like say you know bedding, things of the That's sort. Just, uh, well, my T-board pythons, all I do is look at them, and they're just shitting everywhere. <laughs> 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 but I have <laughs> noticed. Opposite. Yeah, between the males and the females, as far as the conjure goes, I have noticed that the male the male just doesn't care. You know, he's like, whatever. Here, really? the female's well, like, the no, I'm gonna hold on to this. Yeah. yeah, that's actually really interesting. I've never I heard of that. I think that's before. probably because males are more mobile than females. Because males are actually oh yeah. For females. I mean, there my female go. doesn't move, and my male's cruising yeah. all the time, all day. He's so fit. I love it. Yeah, so how I, many think that, I think that definitely would play a factor. If the male is a lot more active than the females, yeah. I definitely think that would play, mm-hmm. you know, a role, mm-hmm. you know, in that, um, you know. But that's yeah, a, that's really that's interesting, cool, actually. I've never heard of the males being, you know, less stingy with I their I never really noticed versus... it until just now when we mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. when he said that. I've oh, never, I never really thought about that. But now that you say it, too, it's like, well, maybe mm-hmm. there's actually some type of correlation with that. Well, that's actually really cool. But it's actually kind of fun too, because you know I uh, I've yet to actually probe a green tree, but I've been so far I've been correct on almost all of them. But you can actually pretty much just like sex them based on how much they move around and <laughs> how <laughs> yeah. long it takes them to poop. And it's kind of like a fun guessing game. If you get into your, like watch, you'll start realizing, hey, this one moves around a lot more, poops a week after I feed it, where this one just sits still all the time. <laughs> and I think that's a female and that's a male, so. It's kind of cool how you can you can pretty accurately, I think, sex them based on behavior. And that's, that's funny. That's one of the things about conjures that I like is like they you know they hatch and you raise them up and there's like zero pressure to worry about what the sex is. Yeah. Because for me, yep. like I'll just I'm just gonna wait until it's you know a year and a half or so and then wait for it to shed. Yeah, I was gonna say people mm-hmm. wait a while to actually accurately yeah, sex chondros, and see that's mm-hmm. I'll say I think that's in one way you guys are kind of lucky, you know, for us carpet guys. Well, it's also an know, excuse to we, hold on to a bunch of them. Yeah, that's true too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wish I could just sell all my stuff unsexed, but you know. Everybody in the carpet nope, community wants a wants a like, brand new baby. Like, what is it, male or female? You the, know, we have the, to pop them right off the bat. It's one of the most exciting things about chondros is you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Like, you know, yeah. you you either sell them early, or you hold on to as many as you right. want to, to just to see what happens, and then right. go from there. And I know that I'm going to hold on to a bunch but of them it, just to see what happens. Oh, yeah. it, it also could be a bit of a catch twenty two <laughs> at the same time. You know, it's like you could you know you pick out a small group. To hold on to, you know, ho- just hoping there's, you know, a couple males to a couple females, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden they're all males or all females or one to mm-hmm. five ratio or five to one ratio. That doesn't bother me know. at all. Oh, yeah. I guess that's I've, true. I've definitely know. heard of people ending up with like 5.1. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, shit. <laughs> but, but it's 
fun and uh, yeah definitely i don't know it, it's kind of cool trying to play the guessing game with them and watching how they act and even i can't wait to hold back the whole clutch because even now they're about a little over three months old and it's so cool just seeing how all of them are like such little individuals and mm-hmm. you know you're really kind of starting to see their personalities and which little quirks get them to finally eat. Right. And they all have their little quirks. So, like, uh, I can't hold back the whole clutch now, but, oh, my next one, I'm going to raise them all up because it's so fun to actually just watch the whole clutch kind of grow up together. It's, it's right. really cool. Now, yeah. your adults not being Beox, are they pretty mellow? What was that? Uh-oh. Hello? Can you hear me? I think you said, yeah, what yeah. was that? I heard, are they pretty mellow or? Yeah. Oh, the adults? Mm-hmm. Oh, so calm. I mean, they're, they're that awesome. That must be nice. At, <laughs> oh, yeah, they're, they're so chill. It's crazy. I'm I so mean, used to all of mine wanting to rip my face dude, off except my female. Justin, my male is. Justin's oh, male is a, he's, he's an asshole, dude. He's so bad. I can't even breathe on him without no, him. No, even, even your me. younger <laughs> ones, man. Like the other they're day. They're just hungry all the time. The other day you had your uh, your one that's going through its color yeah, change out. I, I tried to get it off the perch band. Tagged me right in the palm right of my hand. I was like, whatever. Oh, dude. really? Yeah, no, dude. Are, he was he was bad. Mine cool, but I... Except for the babies, I only feed adults at night. So if I come into the cage with adults, they just they they know they're not getting food. But mm-hmm. yours are still pretty crazy. Yeah, my male's equal opportunity. He doesn't care. No, day or night, <laughs> dude. I'm kind of determined to take one of your chondros out, man. The female, she's fine. Once you get her out, she's fine. Like once she realized she's not getting food, because I had her out that one night. Yeah, yeah. You know, she was roaming, and I opened the door, and I just let her kind of come out on her own accord. You know, I I picked her up after she was out most of the way and she was fine she was just curious like she had zero intention on doing anything to me but the male dude the male wants to kill everybody dude your male so angry (laughs) your male hates life like as it is i named him problem child because i got him on craigslist (laughs) and uh he was being kept terribly when i first got him he was being kept with um, what was basically mud just sobbing, oh, no. like basically like puddling water. And it had an RI, it had an RI oh, when it, you got him. It, it developed an RI not long after oh, I got him no. and switched him over from the stress and all, I'm sure. And then he's the only one in my group that wants nothing to do with frozen thawed, so I have to feed him live, which I only feed my adults mm-hmm. once a month. So that's not a big issue. And I feed him like rat pups. I keep him pretty, pretty lean because uh, he's not nearly as big as the female. Um, mm-hmm. So I call him problem child because... He's a jerk. Because uh, he's a problem? Uh, he's, I think it's pretty He gets himself in all kinds of, like, that one night I took the perch out of the, when I was treating him for that RI, I took him out of the, the tub that I was using with uh, gentamicin. And mm-hmm. uh, I, he wouldn't come off the perch, so I just laid the perch in the cage and let him come out on his own accord. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And, of course, I come in an hour later, and he had somehow gotten himself stuck in, uh, what size pipe was that? It's like two-inch or three-inch uh, PVC pipe. had to be two-inch. Like, literally got that PVC pipe stuck right in the middle of his body. So just his head was sticking out and just his tail was sticking out. And he was, like, in there, in there. Oh, dude, it was a nightmare. I was so angry at myself because I was like, there's no way that's going to happen. He's going to come off the perch and he's going to climb up. And I don't, like, that was the only place he could have gone to screw that up. And that's what he did. Of course, dude. You can't give him the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, this one, this one's going to be a little angel. You're going to be able to wake up, give him a little kiss in the morning. The one I'm sending you. Is be <laughs> give him a little kiss. Justin, I want a picture on your Instagram or Facebook of you giving your snake a kiss. 
once uh, he gets there. Well, that's the nice thing. If you've kept Amazons, then you're used to snakes that just want to bite you all the time. So to me, I was like already prepared for this, you know, with my Biox mm-hmm. and stuff. So I was like, whatever. It's just another pissed off little tree worm. And so I'm used to not really being able to. I don't. I don't really handle mine to begin with, because a I don't like being bit, <laughs> and the other, you know, it's also I don't want them. You know, especially with the small ones, I don't want them to get hurt. Uh, yeah. Because when they go, they go hard. You know, they they're thrashing their body around, right. especially with food. Like mm-hmm. my my little neonate comes right off the perch and just lands right on the ground and just continues I to eat. That. Dude, that thing is freaking <clears throat> crazy, dude. Anytime the crowd swoops, <laughs> just that lands was, on the ground. Cool. I saw that video. I was like, "Damn, none of mine have ever done that." Yeah, that's all. That's what he does every time now. I had to flops off. I had to tease feed him for a long time up until about him probably two or three weeks ago, and now he doesn't even. He just snatches it right up. That thing's a little monster, dude. He's doing great. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. So how many how many conjures do you have right now? Um, so right now at one point I still had my first one. Um, I had to cut down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I had a Biox. I had my first one. Then I had the two adults that produced the babies. And uh, I'm raising up three designers right now. And then so right now actually until I have five, and then all the babies. Um, so the pair and then the three like sub adults that I'm raising up. Um, yeah, and then the two Timors, and that's it right now. I'm uh, I'm moving up to Davis for school, gotcha. uh, in like two weeks. So I, I call it the All Star Team. I had to cut back a little bit, so it's the MVPs, you know. Yeah, yeah. So these yeah. are the guys who made the cut. Uh, <laughs> but it's cool, and uh, you know, I think it's all about a. Uh, quality not quantity right for sure sure. Uh, especially with chondro justin and i definitely live by that you know that that Mm -hmm. saying right there you know we've both moved around a lot of animals and you know gone back and forth about Mm -hmm. stuff and we definitely both agree that it's definitely quality over quantity Mm -hmm. you know um you know especially if you're a guy that kind of does this just because you love the animals you know you definitely want to put out the best versus the most you know um, yeah i'm definitely definitely agree with you on that and it's, you know, it's, yep. I work at a cigar shop here in Beaufort. Um, and so I have a lot of people who are coming in, you know, I want to try cigars for the first time. And what do I start with? And I'm like, you know, just go through. If you see something you want to try, try it. Like the only way you find out what you like is by trying it out. And I think that's kind of, the, that applies to reptiles too. You know, you, I've kept a ton mm-hmm. of stuff since I was a kid, you know, on and off over the years and found what I liked, what I didn't like. You know, I had a blood or two in the past, wasn't a big fan, so I ended up Same. getting rid of those. You know, I just, Same. <laughs> it, it's mm-hmm. just a matter of finding what you like, and arboreals in general are my, my jam. So it definitely like is. That's, that, that, that was oh, one of the first things I noticed about you is when we started hanging out is arboreal animals are mm-hmm. your thing. And it's funny because I'm, the, I'm the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I am oh, really? way more into terrestrial animals. You know, my carpets oh. are – Carpets are semi-arboreal, you know, mm-hmm. and that's honestly why I like uh, one of the reasons I like IJs the most because, you know, from what I've noticed, at least with adults, my babies will definitely climb. Yeah. But one thing I've noticed mm-hmm. with adults is they're definitely more terrestrial. You know, I have this little setup. I call it my snake jungle gym. Uh, my uh, it's a, it's By IJ Jake. Yeah, it's a rack. <laughs> it's a it's a clothes like hanger rack, you know, to hang clothes up on for to dry off. You know, and I'll put, you know, my coastals on it and they'll, you know, even my big ones will climb around on it all evening. You know, Mm -hmm. they'll stay up top. But if I put one of my IJs on it, you know, my babies will stay up there. But my adults, if I put them on it, they go right to the ground, Mm -hmm. straight down. They're like, I'm out. You know, they're gone. (laughs) They they want nothing to do with climbing. 
So, oh, you know, I, so, so that's one thing I've noticed with IJs. And that's one thing I like is the fact that I don't have to supply them with, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of climbing area, you know. But, you know, you add something with like, you know, a little bit of coastal blood, like my 50% IJ Jag. He, if given the opportunity, if he's got perch area, then he'll definitely perch up. Mm-hmm. 100 percent, no doubt he loves to climb you know but and i honestly think it's mostly that coastal influence but all my stuff that is you know from as far as i know pure ij or at least mostly pure they my adults want nothing to do with climbing my babies will my babies have perches and they'll all perch up you know but as soon as they hit that adult phase they stop they don't they want nothing to do with climbing at all you know, so but yeah, that's, that's what I'm really interested to, to see with the Timors because right now they're so arboreal and I know they get a pretty decent size. So I have no clue, like, you know, if in like three years, if they're going to be perched on the ground, but I don't know. Something about a snake on a stick, it gets me. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, oh, I don't know, cool. maybe that's part of the allure with conjures for me is like, they're not like they don't yeah. behavior, they're behaviorally, always, they're nothing they're, like any other snakes yeah, other than they're, emeralds. They're like, always out, you know, like they're always out, you know, they may not, they're not always They're hiding, like the only snake you that you can I mean? give a cage and supply right. like nothing for cover and they don't care. Yeah, they don't, they mm-hmm. actually don't give a shit, you know, they'll look, they'll go around and just perch up, you know, right in front of everything. You know, they don't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> my, car- my carpets yeah. hide all day. <laughs> there's just something about them, I don't know, there's just like... Just, I I can't really explain it. I don't know. You get the bug mm-hmm. and you cut. You, it it spreads quick. I'm not gonna lie. I really want a mm-hmm. chondro. Like I just want one. It's not just gonna to happen. Have. I just I just yeah. want one or two. You know. Okay. And I'm not. I'm not one even. Two, maybe I'm, I'm not even gonna breed myself. I fully intend on. I fully intend on any chondros I get. They're gonna go to you to you know breed mm-hmm. and then i'm just gonna get You're my snake get them back i'm just gonna get my snake back you know i want nothing to do with the babies you know i will i'll take a little bit of profit off them you know because i'm giving you my snake to breed but i don't i don't i don't want to breed i'm leaving that to you you know yeah. we talked about this earlier this is why this you know partnership works is because i'm the carpet guy you're the condor guy so but we're like a Venn, like a Venn diagram because exactly. we have stuff in the middle we like. Yeah, like exactly. So, so that's that's why it works out nicely. So the main we're not thing, stepping on each know, other's toes. Exactly. You know, I'm carpets, you're chondros, and you might have a couple carpets that you lend to me, but I may have a couple chondros to lend to you. But you know, and never. That's overlaps. why I got the male bread alive for both of us. Buddy. Exactly. You know. Oh yeah, those are cool. A, that's why. Oh, work, that's why it works out great, man. What are yeah. the What are the Timors like? They're crazy. They're, it's just so wild, especially just because um, at one point I did only have conjos, and, you know, it's kind of, it does, I will say, when that you only have one thing, it does get a little repetitive. You know what I mean? Like, conjos are always going to be my focus, but, you know, when you're just doing the same thing all the time, and yeah. the Timors are just the polar opposite. I mean, one was captive bred uh, at the Gourmet Rodent, so I got it at, like, two months old, mm-hmm. and I mean, this this thing at two months old was eating, uh, it, it was eating shit the size of my two-year-old conjo. Wow. You know what I mean? And, like, it was, uh, it was one of the first times, have you ever heard anyone call a snake, like, robust? You know? And, mm-hmm. like, I'd always been like, what does that mean? And then, like, I held these Timors, and they're so strong. And, like, this thing just grabs you, and they're pretty, they're pretty wily, and, like, they're just wild. They're completely the opposite. They're just, 
I take the perch out and they're instantly moving. You know, in like green trees, I take the perch out, they sit there. Yeah. I could go take a shower. Until they figure out what's going on, right? Oh, no, mine don't even move. I literally could go take a shower for an hour. If it's daytime, take a shower, eat some food, come back, and my green tree's perfectly perched up. There was a... There was a post in one of the groups a few weeks ago. This guy was like, man, I left my cage door open. And he's like, the condor literally never left the cage. No, <laughs> he left it open like overnight and the condor never even moved. They don't move. And like, again, even the Timor is just complete opposite. You know, my, my green trees are so nocturnal. I mean, yeah, I've maybe seen one move around once during the day. But besides that, they're all nocturnal. And these Timors, any, they're moving around different times of day. Might be 2 a.m. once cruising. Might mm-hmm. be 12 in the afternoon. So it's kind of cool just because, again, there's a polar opposite, and they're, they're growing so fast. I feed them two times, and they're in sheds. They're already bigger. So it, it's fun. I, I love working with them, too. They're they're super underrated. They pre- they do shit everywhere, but <laughs> it's okay. I'm pretty sure everyone just heard you take a piss there, Jake. Nobody, <laughs> nobody heard me take a piss. That was, I could no, hear it in my awesome. headphones. Dude, shut up. That's don't why you, talk, why you close the door. Don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't hear it. I'm just going to address the see, urinal see, elephant in the room. Luke, Luke didn't hear it. You just totally let the guy out of the bag on I that one. I, I was trying to be all ninja about it, and you just, just let Ninjas close the door. Dude, whatever, bro. Dude, that would have taken more time. I was trying, to, I was trying to be quick. I'm, I just, I'm just saying. Dude, I mean, it, would you rather me have just leaked all over the place right now? Sure. Because I had to go, man. Probably would have been quieter. No, it wouldn't have, because I would have been freaking out. Take one for the team. Piss your pants. <laughs> every episode he does that, too. I got to pee. Even though I tell him before every episode, go to the bathroom. Dude, I did. I literally peed before like, we started. Like my five-year-old. Do you dude, need to go to the bathroom? Dude, I... Shut up. I don't know why I hang out with you. I swear. Me neither. Jeez, you're so, the, the you're so mean to me. The Timors look cool, though. I mean, I remember seeing them on Craigslist, you know, years ago before they kind of got a little popular. And I know they were going. They were really expensive at one point. I think they've they've probably come down pretty considerably, haven't they? As far as price goes. Um, I'm not sure. I think they've actually gone up. I know Triple L Reptiles has some for like seven hundred right now, which I huh. think is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? Like, I got a captive red one for, like, 500 you know? So I thought that was a little nuts. Uh, I don't see them pop up too much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're definitely yeah. more available now than they used to be. And I'm sorry, but I don't trust Triple L as far as I can throw them. Like, I've heard so many <laughs> horror stories about that place. I I wouldn't <laughs> trust them at all. But that's just my yeah. two cents. I would, you know, but like I said, you know, me being who I am, I'm very selective about who I buy from. You know, I won't buy from just anybody just because they have a, you know, a snake that's priced cheaper than anybody else. You know, you have a vetting I, process. I am very, very particular about who I buy from. So, but you know, so maybe I'm just too particular. Yeah. But I wouldn't trust LLL. They've I've heard. Yeah, so many I mean, bad they, I saw them. them at their booth. They looked nice, but yeah, again, same yeah, like, I yeah. I saw them. Them. I saw them in Daytona a couple of weeks ago, and man, they've got some nice oh, they animals. There. They they've got a lot of animals. They've got nice animals, but you know, I've heard so many bad things about you know animals coming with RI mites, the usual, you know, all that crap. You know, it just. I don't, I don't trust, I don't trust anybody, you know, when it comes to animals, you know, very few people I'll really, I always tell people I have a list. I have a list of people that I buy from and it's very short. Like I have probably less than 10 people I truly trust to buy from. Oh yeah. Um, oh, 100, but, especially cause I, 
I had to listen before I got these two teammates. I mean, one came in with Mike, and it was like a reminder, like, oh, yeah, this is who you deal with. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, it was like a reminder because I got one from an important. And luckily, I was quarantining them at my girlfriend's house, so it wasn't the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Right. But but it was a, it was a reminder because I've never bought any, besides the two, the Craigslist Green Tree Python, you know, I never bought any from, like, an importer and, experience all that terrible oh stuff that gosh. people talk about let right. me tell and you then, about yeah. that. <laughs> and when it comes to when it comes to importing i think it's a little bit it's almost like an exception you know because if it's an import animal then you're almost guaranteed to have something you know mm-hmm. unless it's very specific people like the the ijs i got that were imports you know they were farm hatched you know they weren't field collected they were farm hatched and the farm they were imported from you know fed mice versus you know things like lizards and things of the sort so you know i didn't have any problems with internal parasites or mites or anything like that but if you're Mm -hmm. going with something like a field collected animal i think that's a little bit of a different story because that animal's coming from you know the country that it came from with more than likely with something you see know. here's the issue with wild caught though is like there's this current stigma of oh it's wild caught don't like if it's wild caught don't buy it i, I and that's I, not the case I, at yeah, all no like, i don't think i think wild caught animals are definitely very vital to our you know our keeping but mm-hmm. you know my only thing is like you can't blame the importer for you know mites or internal parasites yeah. when it's a wild caught animal like that's just kind of a well, gimme. that's what i'm saying is like right. if you're gonna buy wild caught no you, you have you're to gonna expect, have to be yes. do, you're gonna be doing some treating you know you go about it the right way mm-hmm. so that the animal has the best chances of making it yeah absolutely and yeah. a lot of people don't you know they just buy them and they're like oh you know it'll be fine and then yeah in six months a year or whatever when the parasite load gets so heavy that they roll and they're like well what the hell yeah then they want to blame the you know the importer or the breeder it's whatever it's like but you know you can't because that animal came from indonesia Mm -hmm. or whatever you know it probably came with that had nothing to do with the breeder or the importer you know it's a happened in the country it came Mm -hmm. from you know it's you know that's quarantine 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 yeah you know that's one one thing uh riley jimison we had on a i think i believe it was two uh, weeks episode before last yeah yeah episode before last he came on he talked about quarantine and you know Mm -hmm. i think he's the he's one person that i've spoken to that takes quarantine very very Mm -hmm. seriously you know it's and i think it's great you know i think it's somebody something that everybody should practice you know um whether it's a wild caught animal or whether it's from somebody you know personally that even if you know 100 Mm percent they're not gonna you know give you something you know you have you really need to quarantine you know just to be on the safe side compared to being audited no one thinks it's gonna happen to them until it does right exactly yeah and it it just at the end of the day it ends up you know it's gonna happen you know what i mean things are gonna come in if you get an import of it might not happen the first time but eventually right something bad might happen where it comes in with my right. sites and if you already have that system set in place it's gonna be there to stop it from getting any worse mm-hmm. but right i was a um i was the snake manager and a aquarium manager at the community college i went to where we had like 20 snakes and a few aquariums with indigenous species and I, we got mice there, like, two times while I worked there, I think. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure it's just from students coming in who probably had a snake at home. But, you know, because every time I got home from work, I'd throw, I'd throw my clothes in the washing machine and go shower. I, you know, I never got anything at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, every time I'd work at school, you know, again, I'd always wash all my clothes as soon as I got home and shower. And I think all those... 
because no one knows where like Meister is just the thing that just like shows up. It's like the yeah, Babadook. It's... Like no one knows where it comes from. They just yeah, you wake up and they're just there. There, man. Like there's so many. And one thing that kind of bugs me is you know somebody will post about oh I got mites and they'll feel so bad about it, think they're a ter- terrible keeper. And that is absolutely not the case. Like, you know, if you're a reptile keeper, you will get mites. It is not a matter of if, if it's a matter of when, Mm -hmm. like it, it comes with keeping like the, I don't care how good of a keeper you are. I don't care. I I really don't care how much you quarantine. There's going to be a point you get mites, whether it's in your quarantine room Mm -hmm. or your entire collection, you will get mites at some point. I think I'm actually curious to see how much shows play a part in the spread of mites. Just I I, I really think they do just on like stuff with clothes. I really think. Well, I mean, think about how many people are handling all these different snakes and just table hopping and stuff like that. I'd be really curious. As soon as I get home from a show, throw my clothes right into the washing machine. I yep. usually, usually leave like a trash bag in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Throw it yeah. in there. Naked <laughs> like, in his oh front yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that's the way to do it, man. Like, yeah, like I said, you better be safe than sorry. You know, even if it's from somebody that you really truly trust. I'll tell you um, something interesting too. Like I was talking to Harlan on the phone the other day, and we were talking about mites and stuff like that. And he said, you know, I get adult chondros in all the time. Not a single one has mites when they come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I he believe says, that. He says these true. aren't these aren't something they get in the wild. He says this is something they get when they come to us. Right. He yeah. says be it you when they, they come mean? into the importer, when they you know change hands at a show. He's like those they're not coming in with those. Like they're picking those up somewhere between when they came into the states and when they come into your front door. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, I believe that one hundred percent. Yeah. I'm not surprised at all. You know, I'm sure they come into the importer's place. He's already got them. Boom. Yeah. Over. They got my Yeah, it's. <sighs> It's unfortunate, but you know, one thing that, you know, that when people say, you know, I have mites, you know, they, they feel like they're a horrible keeper. No one's going to want to do business with me. It's like, just stop, you know, it's now if it's somebody that has mites and knows they has mites and doesn't do anything about it, then I'm not going to do anything about it. But if you just wake up Mm -hmm. in the morning and it's like, crap, I found some mites. Yeah. But then all of a sudden you panic. Cause I've been in the mite panic before, dude. I've spent literally, I probably spent 14 hours in a day quarantining my entire collection. I pulled every, oh, no. I pulled. Yeah, that, that'll change your outlook. Yeah, on yeah. <laughs> you, That's when, what I'm when saying. You, when you have to go through <laughs> and totally treat your entire collection. The people who have never had yeah. mites, the people who get mites and who are yeah. the ones that are super strict about quarantine are the ones who have gone through that. Yeah, before. I've gone through that. Dude, <laughs> I literally spent probably close to 14 hours straight. I pulled every single animal, mm-hmm. quarantined the animal, took out the enclosure, changed everything, sprayed down everything yep. I could, disinfected everything. I bleached every single enclosure I had, mm-hmm. made sure it was clean, the, all the bleach was gone. Took me over, It took me so long, dude. It was an entire day plus. Well, I'm telling you, probably 14 hours worth of work mm-hmm. straight, nonstop, well, stopping for a lunch. And then repeating the whole process. Yeah, then having days. to do it yeah. again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll definitely change your thought process on quarantine you know i'll admit you know there's times where i don't have space to quarantine or mm-hmm. even so there's other times where i'll have an animal in my quarantine area that i know needs to be seen about either a because of mites or b because of anything else so if i get other new animals in from people that i do truly trust then I may not do the same process. I may put those animals in with my other collection simply because I know the animal in my quarantine room has a problem. 
but I'm still going to quarantine no matter who it is. I, I don't care if it came from I'll God quarantine, himself. Quarantine, I'll still do, I'll no still do something. Quarantine. I'll still do something, but if I know the animal in my quarantine room has a problem mm-hmm. and I get animals from somebody that i do truly trust and i'm not gonna lie i i might skimp on a little bit you know i may i won't but i'll still quarantine but i won't put them in the same room as those other as the one that i know has a problem i'll do some type of quarantine but i won't i won't put them in my main area with (laughs) the other one because you know and it's funny that we talk about like vetting people because I bought that Condro or I sent, I, I was about to send Luke some money and Luke was like, well, let me call you real quick and talk to you. I was like, uh oh, I'm getting tested. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. But I, I like don't it. Know. I, I, I just, I am so bad at texting and like, I'm sorry if I've texted you guys and it sounded like completely retarded, but like, <laughs> I am just like, I am just like, I talk to me on the phone because like texting is just like, I'm not good at it. I'll be old school or whatever, but I'd rather talk to anyone on the phone. Yeah, any that's day. what I told you is we need to bring back the Harlan Wall method of reptile yeah, business of no, talking dude, to people on the phone. I think it's definitely a way to get more personable with people, especially if you're selling animals. I really feel like a phone call is really going to get the mm-hmm. get a feel for the p- person you're selling to, or mm-hmm. you know, or be the person you're buying from. You know, because yeah. that's just as big as a, big of a factor. You know, for guys like you, I and uh, Luke, I'm sure, you know, you want to know the people that you're buying from are reputable and that they, they mean, you know, serious business mm-hmm. about this, you know, they're not slack on their I mean, care. And for whatnot. more, yeah, for more expensive animals like those and like emeralds and stuff like that, right. it makes sense. When someone's about to spend that much money with you, I want to make sure that there's someone who like knows oh, what they're doing because right. I have a really good feeling you're going to spend all this money on this snake. It's going to die in like a month and then you're <laughs> going to go online and tell everybody how much I suck. Oh yeah. And it had I'm, nothing to do spending- with me. Yeah, when I'm spending, like, a decent amount of money for some of those designers, I think the people I've I've always wanted to buy from are breeders who I'm like, I'm like, hey, can I call you? And then we get on the phone, and, like, an hour and a half later, I'm like, hey, man, like, I'd love to keep on talking, but I got to go. Thank you so much. My lunch break was over an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, I really got to go. Thanks for all the info. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Christian Stewart, but, man, that guy... You get them on the phone, just info, info, info. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. awesome. Um, so I think those are the people you definitely want to support, especially when you're kind of buying those higher end animals. Oh, I think know? it makes so. like it makes that corner of the community, you know, be it carpets or condros or whatever else. You know, I think it makes that community a little more tighter knit because you you know you're talking to somebody. You know, like I first added Harlan on Facebook and we just kind of messaged back and forth, and he's crazy busy. And then he, you know, we now talk on a pretty regular basis. Uh, and so it's i don't know it's kind of cool you know like it like i said it kind of brings everybody you know a little a little closer and keeps yeah. the community a little more tighter knit i just th- instead I just of just being f- faces on the internet yeah i definitely think a phone call is just more personable you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. one thing i try to do whenever i buy from somebody new is i try to have like a full-on conversation with them yeah. you know I, get to know them a little bit, let them get to know me because, you know, one thing that, you know, I try to do is make the seller comfortable with who I am. You know, everybody Mm -hmm. I've bought from, I still keep in contact, you know, I'm not going to say on a regular basis, but they know who I am. They remember me because I make a conversation with them. You know, one dude, uh, Michael Pennell, you Mm -hmm. know, is a good example of that. I don't hardly ever talk to him, but if I ever message him on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, he remembers me because at the show that I met him at in Arlington, Texas, you know, I bought a um, coastal carpet from him 
And I had a full on conversation with him for mm-hmm. like an hour, hour and a half, you know, and you know, people remember that. Each, stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, we follow each mm-hmm. other on social media, friended him on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, we may not be, you know, close friends, but he remembers me. And, you know, and that's one thing I try to do with everybody that I, you know, I buy from and at least have a good experience with. And that's important. Like in this day and age with the hobby being what it is and people are like so deathly afraid to ask questions, especially from really experienced people because they feel like they're bothering them or maybe like, you know, they did buy from somebody and they really weren't very helpful. Like I tell people who buy Cresteds from me or anything, really, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to text, call, message me, whatever, like... If oh, I'm yeah. asleep, I'll get to it when I get to it. But like, I'm never gonna blow you off or tell you to stop mess like asking questions. Like, if you have questions for the like, do not hesitate to to message me or ask because I want you to ask questions. I want you yeah. to not feel like mm-hmm. you're bothering me or anything like that. And so I tell everybody that buys from me, like, hit me up whenever you want to. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. and that when if coming from a buyer's perspective, you know, because that just makes I, people feel a lot. Better. I really haven't sold. I've sold a couple animals just you know trying to move stuff around. But you know, coming from you know a buyer's perspective, I really like when somebody's like, hey, let me know if you have any problems. You know, that's mm-hmm. one big thing I have to say about uh, David Means. He sold me my first scrub python ever. And, you know, I can't say enough about that transaction because it was, you know, it went very well. David was very professional and still to this day I update him on the scrub that I have and he's more than happy to hear about it and talk to me about any issues I'm having. You know, he's even checked in with me. You know, he messaged me out mm-hmm. of the blue after not hearing from mm-hmm. him for a couple of weeks. He messaged me, he was like, Hey, how's it going with your with the scrub? You know, that means that as a buyer, that means a lot to me mm-hmm. because I really care about my mm-hmm. animals and, you know, I really want to buy from people who care about their animals just as much as I care about the animals I'm getting. You know, so little things like that really go a long way with someone like me. And I really feel like it should go a long way with everybody. You know, that's something I really feel like, you know, mm-hmm. any breeder slash buyer should go by, you know, as a breeder, I really want anybody to be more than happy to ask me questions, you know, check in, you know, and I, whenever I start selling, really start selling animals, I'm going to be checking in with the people that I sell to all the time mm-hmm. just to make sure things are going smoothly. You know, if I can help with anything of the sort, you know, cause like you said, a lot of people don't want to ask questions, but they're afraid they're going to mm-hmm. get grilled. Exactly. But if you start off with, you know, you message them, Hey, how are things going? Then yeah. that might be like, okay, well, I do have this problem. Clearly so they care. Ask them, yeah. You know, so if yeah, they are having sure. a problem, they're not the ones reaching out to you first. You already reached out to them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I definitely think that, you know, stuff like that definitely goes a long way, you know, on either part, you know, breeder or seller. But. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even just like, I think even, um, why these podcasts are so useful when you guys are talking about people who like are, are breeding, like just, I think so much gets lost in translation through text messages or even reading For articles sure. when you can hear a breeder talking about what they did over a podcast, like, Oh my God, it's great. You know, I've listened to some of those episodes of green tree Python radio, like 15 times. <laughs> yeah. I'm like taking notes. You know what I mean? I'm like, how did they do this? And like, yeah, yeah. it's just, hearing someone's voice is always going to be better than like reading a little paragraph. And you know, it's things like, you know, you know, 
someone like me who I like to joke around a lot, you know, if I'm texting somebody some type of sarcastic joke or comment, you know, it may not be picked up. Somebody for, being me. Right. You know, if it may not, it may not be picked up through Facebook messenger or, a, or an Instagram comment, you know, they might just think I'm an asshole, yep. but if I'm talking We've to them on the there. phone, if I'm talking to them on the phone, they can hear my sarcasm and be like, okay, ha hardy, hardy. Uh, you know? yeah. It's different. You know, I really, I just think of, I think a phone call goes a whole lot, lot mm-hmm. a whole farther. A lot further. I don't know. Yeah, I'm go. trying to talk here. I can't talk. <laughs> it goes a whole lot farther than, you know, a Facebook comment or message will go to. Um, but, you know, and if you're more, and if you're more of an old school guy like me, I definitely like to definitely prefer phone calls. You know, I text a lot, but. The Harlan Wall like School of Reptile calling. Business is yeah. what I call it now. <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I, re- I learned so much from that guy. It's ridiculous. Harlan Wall University or Wall to Wall University. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Harlan Wall 101. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot to be learned from those guys that have been in the hobby yeah. for a long time, you know, especially in oh Condros, because there's, you know, like, I, I think I mentioned this an episode or two ago that there was. There's, as far as generations of people that have been captive breeding green trees, there's really not that many if you think about it. I mean, you have guys that have been around well, since the beginning, you know, like Harlan and Maxwell and uh, Trooper Walsh and, and stuff like that. And then you have the next sort of uh, generation, which I consider to be like Bill Stiegel and uh, Gary Schiavino or Schiavino. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, uh, but like those guys. Mm-hmm. And so then the next generation is going to be guys like, you know, Luke and hopefully at some point myself, if I can ever make that happen. And you'll you know, get there. If, if you're ever cool enough to make it happen, which oh, I, do- which I doubt. Enough, <laughs> no, I'm honestly like Justin's one support over here. Like he's always talking to me like, man, I'm not going to produce any contracts. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. You just started this. Like you got to keep it up. You know, you'll be fine. You know, I'm the one, like I'm the, I'm the angel on his shoulder. It's like, no man, you'll do fine. Like it's good. Then Jacob's like, yeah. I don't know if I should do this. And I'm like, you're right. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah i'm my own angel on my shoulder then he's my demon and then yeah. vice versa for him you know you can see how this this relationship works out for us yeah should i sell these snakes on trying yes yeah sell all of them how's the how's the parent dude right now so you said you had the male and the, the female together and yep um i got a really promising lock um last month um haven't noticed anything significant yet as far as follicles or ovulation. I mean, obviously, if I saw an ovulation, it would be pretty clear. It's right. obvious. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, I've seen a lot of potential locks. Nothing super concrete except for that one last month. But Dude, I, I, I need re- to pull the male and feed him and separate him for a few days. Oh, yeah. I really think I you're going to get something from these guys, man. Some of the pictures you've sent me, you know, I, I would be surprised if you didn't. You know, know. some of some of the stuff that I've seen as active as they've been, you know, and that's just based on what you've seen with your eyes. You have no idea yeah. what they're asleep, what's going on while you're asleep. Oh, you know, dude, when I first paired them up, man, I was waking up like two times a night and like checking. Yeah, like, I, like, I'd I know. wake up because I was I was dealing with some terrible like anxiety and stuff. So I was sleeping like crap. And so every time I'd get up, I'd like walk right. into the snake room and be like, I know several people that, you know, <laughs> I guess they're, you know, more carpet breeders, but you know, they'll get a clutch of eggs and be like, yeah, I never witnessed yeah, a I lock. Never saw anything. I never witnessed a lock. I never saw even an actual ovulation, mm-hmm. you know, cause some ovulations are, you know, 
a lot less apparent than others. You know, I've heard people that say, yeah, I saw the ovulation middle of the day. She was huge, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, some people Chondros, have it to where it's, obvious it's in it the middle of the night. Like they're about to explode. Right. Yeah, they get real uncomfortable. Again, that was one of the only times I've seen my female moving around during the day. She just looked like, oh, she was going to pop. I felt so bad for her. Jeez. She could not sit still, kept on switching. Now she was perching and just like this love out of nowhere. Did you cycle yours some way or another? Yeah, I did. Uh, I actually did a very slight cycle, which I think even why well, I think IJs, you know, I know they're from the same area, but I only dropped their tents at night around, I went from 78.5 to 74. Huh. Um, so it was like only four degrees, although I think my ambient temps did get dropped a lot more because it was winter in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't like I was worried about it getting too cold. So I'd crack the window and I think I was getting like... 70s in the room at night, well, yeah. 70s, I mean, maybe 60s, but, um, yeah, cooled them down. I did feed her hard right before I paired her, mm-hmm. so I was right. feeding her every week. You know, summer, I was literally feeding her once a month and a half. Yeah, that, I mean, and that's what about, I'm doing now, and I was actually thinking about doing that, and I was telling Jacob this, because I wanted her to get her a little more weight on her before mm-hmm. I, you know, hopefully before Egg showed up. Um, and mm-hmm. I know that's what Harlan does, is Harlan does feeding, uh, cycle feeds, he doesn't temperature cycle. Right. Um, it works, dude. It, it just makes so much sense <clears throat> to me. I mean, I think that's the way to go. And what are you feeding your female when you were doing that? I, sh- I was feeding her, well, because I was doing it once a week, I did a little bit smaller, so usually yeah. she was getting one jumbo mouse uh, a month, and I just took her to adult mice. Okay. I was doing one adult mouse, and then... Um, I cut her off, started cooling. I didn't do anything with the lights, nothing like that. Yeah. Um, well, they don't the get mail in there. And they don't get radical photo period changes like we do here. Yeah, to me, it just made no sense that you know it lives on the equator. I, I right. just don't see why a light cycle would be that important. I mean, I'm sure it can trigger them, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to give it a shot without it. And um, but I will say, and I think this was one of biggest things i did is the second i mean when i put him in there that night he was bringing her and Mm -hmm. the second the male stopped showing interest that morning i'd take him out uh it usually was he'd breed her for about a week and a half it was usually every two weeks and so i'd take him out he wouldn't be breeding her when i'd wake up and i'd feed both of them and um give him a few days apart put him back in and if he wasn't breeding her pull him out you know and i really think that kind of being away from her really kind of stimulated him because he would stop cruising. He'd kind of get comfy in the cage. And I think I even made a post that one time I pulled him and I seriously was like worried when he was alone in the cage that he was going to hurt himself. He was pressing his face up against the glass so hard. He's losing but it. He was losing it. <laughs> he, it was wanted, like he wanted smiling. a piece of that real bad. <laughs> he, was, he was like, you took me away. <laughs> I posted I the post. I remember being like, has anyone had a male hurt themselves and you pull him from a female? Like, this shit is crazy. Like, but he ended up being fine and, you know, put him back in there. And he, he got the job as soon as she, or maybe a little bit before she ovulated, he just showed no interest at mm-hmm. all. I'd pull him, put him back in, and he was just over it. Yeah, because this too. this guy's really what? fallen off as far as showing interest in her. But I, once, I separate once they ovulate, him. man, that that interest really just drops. Like once yeah. they're up to the ovulation point, like there's no mm-hmm. interest. They're like, all right, I'm my done. job is like, done. This is over. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna get yeah, any yeah. more after this. Please like, get me away from it. her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've had enough. <laughs> like I'm tired. Let me go to bed. I now. mean, it, it works out because I have to separate them to feed them. Because if right. I put any food in there, if Dude. it moves, she thinks it's a target. I remember 
you texted me one day. It was like, dude, I just tried to feed both chondras in the same cage. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, like, was, why did you do that? <laughs> I was I was trying to combat my female, who's probably what she, four or five she's feet. Got, she's closing in on five at least. And like, she's a she's big girl. like, I'm trying to get him to eat. He doesn't want anything to do with it. You know, she smells it, so she starts going. And so I got this little, like, two-foot hook, and I'm trying to, like, stop him from biting me and stop her from biting him. And it just, (laughs) after that, I was like, hey, I'm not doing this again. Nope. Like, I'll I'll feed her. I'll feed her in cage if she's, like, on the opposite end of the cage from him. And I don't Mm -hmm. have any issues. But if they're, like, next to each other, I'm like, all right, dude. It's, yeah, you gotta come out because she's gonna freaking take your head off. I'm not a chondro keeper, but <clears throat> I could have told you that was a bad idea. Yeah. If you would have told me like, "Hey, I'm about to feed both these in the same enclosure," I'd have been like, "Dude, don't do it. What the heck are you well, doing? Like, like <laughs> pull the <laughs> mail." <laughs> it seemed like a good idea at the time. No, dude, that is never a good idea. I don't know what you were what you're thinking with that one. <laughs> but well, yeah, they're oh fine. Nothing but happened. I mean, <laughs> Right. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I would never try that, but I don't have any aggressive. I can pull mine out of the cage like nothing. So you know, maybe we. Have yeah, your your chondros aren't little assholes. So. <laughs> yeah, and my like I said, my female, she's not bad. But if there's food around, man, she's like she's it's like a Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde kind of thing. Dude, she there, the there doesn't even have to be food around, man. I've walked into your room, and as soon as I walk in, flip on the light, she's out like, you know, she's what like, are you oh. doing? Like, oh, do you have food? Like, no, there's. She was currently. <laughs> Wrapped around her water bowl when I came home. Really? Caught a luring. Oh, oh caught a luring. <laughs> like not actually in the water bowl. Literally just wrapped around the edge around of it, it and sitting like on top of it, kind of, and just with her face Whoa. sitting on the ground, just waiting. And I'm like, Good God! I just gave you like a rat like two weeks ago. Yeah, I've never heard of that one before. Yeah, she's weird, yeah. man. She started. I, I dropped their temperatures down a little bit because their their heat pad was running a little warm. It was at like 90, so I dropped it down to I think like 85 or 84 or so. And that she's been moving oh, a lot yeah. more lately. Oh, yeah, you do not. I mean, I even think some of my sub-adults, because I, I, I kind of keep my, my sub-adults and babies a little hotter, but, I mean, my adults are at 83.5 during the day mm-hmm. and 70, 78 at night. Is that and, a is that know, hot spot or ambient temperatures? They're at a hot spot of 83.5, but they're okay. ambient at, like, 75. They do not. They do not need it hot. I mean, it, right, it's right, crazy yeah. That, that's how, what I was wondering. I didn't. Well, know that's if, the thing is, is like eighty three was your ambient temps, or if that was just your hot double. Spot. Like that's the you know a lot of people will get these cages and they'll temp gun them after they've plugged them in and got them going. It'll be like cool. It'll read you know read exactly what they want it to. It's like but check that thing periodically because I noticed both of them hang out at the cool end a lot. And so you know some condos do like like to be just in the cooler end. Like even if your temperatures are right on point. And so mm-hmm. I noticed this, and so I temp gunned it the other night, and it was like right at 89 or 90 or so and so i went and dropped it and uh and she's been moving around a lot more and uh, oh yeah I think it's been making a difference during, i think it'll make a difference a little bit cooler i think they'll like that a lot you know um yeah i don't think they like the heat too much you yeah know? they don't i mean they're really not meant to be kept that warm a lot of people think they're they're meant to be but after reading uh Philip and Julander's book where they were like, yeah, this place doesn't really get hotter than 86 most of the time. Right. You know, there's really no point in keeping them that hot. That's, that's one thing that I truly believe with, you know, a lot of carpet species, especially IJs, you know, I've had, you know, keeping in my rack system, um, you know, I can't, it's hard to get 
a happy medium of everything. You know, I try to shoot for about an 85 to 86 degree hotspot on the low end and 89 to 90 degree hotspot on the high end, you know, varying on the rack because my, the heat tape heats up differently in different places. Um, Mm -hmm. but I've got one, there's one part of my rack that doesn't heat up quite enough to where I want to. It gets up to about 83 on the hot end. Um, and the ambience are about 77 78 sometimes hotter at the heat of the day it'll get up to about 80 since i keep my my areas upstairs so all my heat rises and it gets pretty hot here some days um but i have not i've had no problem with him digesting i just Mm -hmm. got you know a nice load the other day from him you know and he he's at a he's about an 83 to 84 degree hot spot every Every other spot in the rack is about 86 to 89, which is where I prefer it. But, you know, everybody who says, you know, you need to have a 90 degree hot spot. Like, honestly, I think that's a little warm. Mm -hmm. Anything that I've I've seen that is at 90 degrees, they're always on the cool end. If they're, if it's an, if I'm hitting a 90 degree hot spot with my temp gun, then they're never on it. You know, they're never on the warm end. They're yeah. always on the cool end. Like, I personally think, you know, shooting for 90 degrees is a little too hot. You know, mm-hmm. I would say shoot for that 85 to mm-hmm. 87, and that's more comfortable. That's when I see them thermoregulate, you know, properly is if I'm shooting around 85 to even 88. You know, that's more – that's where I prefer. If I can hit 86 to 88, that's really what I prefer. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, I really feel like a lot of people keep – keep carpets and even chondros or any other species really a little too hot you know unless you're you're just you know working with a very hot species like you know euromastics yeah things like that that's a little different (laughs) you know but one thing that i've been 100 degree hot spot right exactly one thing i've been doing to kind of help me out with keeping ijs is i have um i have an iphone and i've got my weather app so i've actually pulled up um the weather from where they come from I've never seen temperatures hotter than about 87, mm-hmm. I think, was the hottest. Because I check it periodically yeah. just to see, you know, because that's that's what's natural to them. That's, you know, that's yeah, where they the come from, that, that... you know. It never gets 90 degrees. I never see mm-hmm. that. You know, it may on occasions when I'm not looking at it. But, you know, it's it, – I, I really think people have a problem with keeping, you know, carpets and green tree pythons just too hot you know especially mm-hmm. from the papua new guinea area yeah that that's one thing i think i especially learned from when uh, i was working at the community college because the, the professor who like helped us keep all the snakes i mean he was old school i mean we didn't even have like anything to read temps you know he just had a we just put a bulb on the end and it was room temperature and i'm i'm sure we had we had ball pythons that were 25 years old or not 20, sorry, maybe like 15. Um, but they bred every year. And I checked, I brought my temp gun in and I checked the hot spot. It was like 81 and the cool side was like 72. And these things breed every year. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. people, they do fine. They thrive. They've been kept like that for like 10 years, you know, 15 years. And they don't need that hot spot. 
Yeah, you know, and I think that's a big you, misconception with a lot of newer people in the hobby is they think they have to keep stuff hot. And it's like reptiles don't right. need to be hot. They need to be warm. That was one problem that I had. I've really felt like that was one thing I stressed so hard about when I first started keeping. It was like, okay, I need a 90-degree hot yeah. spot on the dot. Mm-hmm. If I was hitting 88, I wasn't happy. If I was hitting 92, I wasn't happy. I had to be 90 degrees on the dot. You know, until I started keeping a bigger collection and started working with rack systems and realizing, okay, this is you're never gonna get it. This is impossible. <laughs> like it's literally, if you keep your animals in a rack, any type of rack system, you will not hit a 90 degree hotspot in every single cage. Like it's going to fluctuate a mm-hmm. lot. I check my temps. Mm-hmm. Con- I check my temps temps every two three days, just to see where they're at. What a you nerd! Know? Yeah, coming from the guy that studied note cards with scientific names on them. Um, but you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> even sometimes the 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 part that people who are just coming in have so wrong, like which is why I hate Facebook sometimes, is people just think like there's only one way to do something, and right. if you're not doing it, you're wrong, and you're gonna kill these animals. Like again, at, at school, I mean, we kept so many things in glass tanks, and they thrived. And you know, I'm sure if I put that on Facebook and said, "Look at my cool cage," you're like, "You're gonna kill it." Blah yeah. blah blah. This book says this. Give up forever. Yeah, this article says if it's not this temperature, it's going to die. How right. could you? You know what I mean? It's yeah. crazy, man. But that's like, yeah. if you think about it, the only way this hobby has moved forward is from the people that actually experimented and like tested right. different stuff. And, and, you know, so, I mean, yeah. there, I, there I, could I, be things we that we won't know until somebody does it, whether they be someone new to the hobby or old to the hobby. Like, that's the way things progress is someone tries right. something and it works and... It's everyone it, that it's, changes the the you know, it's the paradigm shift. It's trial and error, man. Amen. You know, it's kind of hard to you know look at it with that perspective. Like, okay, let's try this and see if it works. When you're working with you know a live animal, you know, you don't want to be testing theories, you know, because that could potentially hurt or kill your. I mean, animal. within reason, obviously. Yeah, within reason, you know, but mm-hmm. stuff like dropping your temperatures a little bit and seeing if they thrive at that, if mm-hmm. they're more okay, you know. I really try to I try to read my animals more than anything like you know I read my hot spots based off what my animals do if mm-hmm. you know I've got babies that are always on their hot spot then I'm thinking okay maybe it's a little warm if I've got a baby that's always perched up on either side I think okay we're good but if I've got a baby that's always on the cool side, always in the water dish, mm-hmm. something like that, I'm like, okay, we've got some type of problem. If he's in the water dish, I'm like, okay, it's too dry. Spray him down a little bit. If he's just always on the cool end, it's too hot. You know? And that's one of the great things about chondros, too, is if there's something wrong, it's pretty easy to tell when there's right. there's something up. Right. Oh, yeah. Once, once you get to know him, I can, I can, like, a few of them, I can walk in the room and I'll be like, it's too hot. Just yeah, by the way yeah. they're perching. Yeah, you know, Hon- I mean, honestly, yo, when, yeah. After keeping for quite some time, I can walk in my room and know things are wrong. I don't even have to look mm-hmm. at my animals; mm-hmm. just like feel the temperature in there. Like, oh, it's too hot in here. Like, there's a problem. You know, it's once you mm-hmm. once you really learn your group of animals and even just learn your room and how it works. You know, if when it's too hot outside, I'm like, oh man, it's about to get too hot in my room upstairs. Like, I need to work mm-hmm. something. Out. I need to do mm-hmm. something different. I need to spray a few animals down, you know, and you know, it, it really, I think it really goes a long way when you pay attention to how your animals act yep. or even the environment that you keep them in, like your room, you know, how your room goes with certain times of the year, certain, um, certain times of day, you know, you, it, you can really pinpoint certain things and, you know, if you really pay attention, you can be very success- successful with that. 
And even, uh, I think just, honestly, after I bought Baby, like, Young Condos, like, where you get to really know them opposed to adults, I think that's just the best. Like, yeah. I will never buy an adult snake again. I mean, maybe if it was something perfect for a project, but for the most part, just, like, buying a baby or a neonate and, like, raising it up is just... That's half really the fun. Really get to know that. Yeah, snake. exactly. It's so awesome. I, I, it, I, it's don't get me wrong. Like, I've bought quite a few, you know, larger yeah, animals that, right? just to just to kind of speed up some processes. You know, I've had, I've came across a few deals, but, you know, if I could just buy mm-hmm. all babies and raise them up, I would. The majority of my collection is young stuff that I've been raising mm-hmm. or I'm, you know... I think that I've mentioned this, too, in the past is I think that gives you a little more pride in what you absolutely because you put the work in oh, yeah. you know? it wasn't like it just got two adults and boom they're together hey i got babies it's right. like no you had to like really put yeah, in some I, I worked for blood this. sweat and beer and <laughs> making yeah. these things work for sure mm-hmm. um, and oh man once you see a conjure go through an ontogenic color change game over the coolest yeah, thing sure. i think i've ever seen just like watching a yellow or red baby just start changing slowly one day you just open the tub yep like holy yeah. shit i got i really <laughs> have to agree with that you know just after watching justin's animal you know he's got one younger I had one that was really dark he like, was, wasn't dark it was a red biok yeah it was a red biok and now it's anywhere near like, red anymore it's like what is, is it still orange yeah. or is it yeah, yeah it's completely orange now and you know just going watching his animal you know it's not mm-hmm. even mine but seeing that mm-hmm. change from this bright red biok into being just this dull orange, you know, is so cool. You know, I love watching it, you know, change, even though, again, it's not my animal, but I think it's just awesome, you know. And it, it same goes for um, my IJs. Mm-hmm. IJs go through a big time color change, you know, from babies to um, even just sub adults or even at a year or so old, because when they're born, they're these red little worms, you know, they're so red. But then after about a couple months to a year, they lose all of that, you know, and I have a couple, I have two, I have a pair of imports. Um, they're farm hatched. And when I got them, they were this nice red color, but now they're starting to change and really look like, you know, your normal IJs. And one of them has some really nice blushing on the side. Actually, both of them do. And, you know, just watching them go through that change, man, it's, it, it, you just have so much more pride in it when, you know, you raised it from a baby. And I really feel Mm -hmm. like that's what you, what you should do to uh, reproduce the animals. You know, if you're, I fully think if you get it as a baby, you raise it up to breeding size, you know, you're going through every cycle of that animal, you know how to take care of it. So when it reproduces, you know what to do. You know, because you've mm-hmm. gone through that with that animal. You got it as a baby, you raised it up, so now you know what to do with its babies. Obviously, you know, feeding is a different different ball game. You have to, you know, get your babies feeding off the bat. But, you know, I really feel like you should go through each cycle of its life in order to really know how to properly take care of and with imported chondros i think if you get them younger you're gonna have a lot less issues than if you get an adult import Absolutely. because my male i'm i can almost guarantee was was an import and mm-hmm. i think the reason i have so many issues with him as far as food and stuff is because he's just never completely you know he's never really acclimated to the whole the whole captivity thing uh but like that little yellow neonate i have he was an import but i got that guy like it must have just come out the egg like the week before i got it right and uh at first he was kind of you know i had to tease feed him a lot but he's now like rocking and rolling on food and i just think when you right. get them young like that you have a lot less headaches down the line oh, than if you sure. just get an adult import and then try and get it to acclimate 
right you know, that especially way. if it was something wild yeah. if, if it was like a wild caught animal and then you're trying to feed it frozen thawed yeah. good luck man the babies that i got that were farm hatched they were uh fed live at the farm if they even got their first meal at the farm because they were imported by a buddy of mine really really early they mm-hmm. may have had one meal in them before they were imported to the u.s and then even he was feeding them live rodents and he sent them to me like hey they both still want live you know they're that's what they're going to take i'm like yeah okay we'll see about that you know i gave the male <laughs> i gave the male frozen thawed boom no problem took it right off the bat the other one was a little bit more leery. It didn't, I think it was just a little bit more nervous. So it didn't take the first time I offered food. I gave it a live meal just to get something in its stomach. And then a week later, I gave it a frozen thaw. Didn't think twice. Took it right off the tongs. No problem. You know, it's, I really, I would that's fully the agree. The funny thing with that male is like, he won't touch frozen thawed. He'd much no. rather kill me. But if I put yeah. a live rat pup in there, you can forget about he's, it. It's gone in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like he doesn't hesitate. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing different that you do not see this as food, but you see that as food when I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. Let him get real hungry. Don't feed him for a month. I've, I, still wants live. I've gotten to eat like frozen thawed twice i think right and i don't know i didn't do anything different you know there wasn't any magic trick i just think it was just one of those rearances it was like yeah this will work i'll take it and i think that's also a good way to transition over to rats versus mice because i had uh one of my most recent pickups uh from daytona uh the guy who uh who i bought it from uh again an ij of course uh, he said, you know, well, he's a mouser. He won't, he mm-hmm. won't eat rats. I'm like, we'll see about that. We'll see. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get that. He's, he, yeah, he's breeding for me this season. So I'm like, okay, I need to get him on rats. So I gave him, I changed his water every week, but I didn't touch him for about two and a half, three weeks. I let him get hungry and I gave him a rat the other day. He took it right off the tongs and then I went and checked on him and he had dropped it. So I'm like, okay, mm. let me try this again. I picked it up and he took it right back. And I went back about 30 minutes later and it was gone. Yep. He ate that Ooh. sucker, you know. I was like, all right, then so we're good, you know. If you I really feel like if you let it might sound kind of cruel, but if you let them get hungry, they're going to eat a rat. You know, it's yeah. it's one of those things, you know, you may not like it a whole lot because, you know, you're letting your animal get well, That's hungry. the frustrating part is conjurers right. don't refuse food. Exactly. So when they do, and you know it's not because they're sick, it's just because they're being picky. Because they're dumb. Um, <laughs> Dude, get on board with everybody else. Yeah. Like, yeah, this. my own never refused food. I had no problem. I got him to take a Reptilinks like it was... Like it was no one's business, dude. That anything goes in the cage at night. That's one of my favorite parts about him. You know, I, I had a few ball pythons for a little bit, and just having the snake that only wanted lives, where my friends <laughs> were like, "Feed me, feed me, feed me, yeah, like, anything." Man. That was. I hate these things. That was a huge factor for me getting out of ball pythons, man. It's once I did more research. Like, look, I've had one ball python, ball python in my life, and. I was lucky enough that that one took frozen thaw, no problem. But the more I looked into him and wanted to, you know, because I started wanting to breed him, you know, and but the more I mm-hmm. researched and looked into it, a lot of people were like, "Yeah, these things will only eat live a lot of times." And I'm like, 
never mind. I don't, I don't want to deal with that like at all, you <laughs> know. And it's that's when I got into carpets. And I'm like, oh, carpets will eat anything. Like at any time, you know. That they may, you might have some that are more on the mouse side of things versus mm-hmm. rats, but you know, that's I can deal with that mm-hmm. as long as they eat something that's frozen thought yeah. and they're not going to be picky as and shit. That's pretty much where know, I'm at with I'm him. Fine. Is like I don't really mind having to get him live. Like, it's an inconvenience at best, but right. as long as he's eating, I really don't yeah. care. Yeah, you know, nobody, you know, I True. I fully stand by if you're a real animal lover, not just I like to breed snakes and make money. If you love animals like we do, then feeding live is never a fun thing, you know, yeah. per se. I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy watching, you know, another animal get its life choked out of it, but... You know, it's a part of keeping, and you have to do it sometimes. Um, so I always think mm-hmm. I always prefer frozen thought over live. Um, but and again, for me, if, for me, it's a huge safety issue feeding live. Oh yeah. Um, but I've seen the oh. way you do it, Justin. You put them in like a cup, and he just kind of picks them yeah, out. Yeah, I just put the you, rat pups in a shoebox <laughs> yeah, and put it in the cage. He, he, just, he just, just has he walks right up to the buffet and just does yeah, his thing. Yeah. No, so I definitely yeah, think that's, that's definitely a more smart. safe way. But if you're you know especially you know if you're something more terrestrial like say a ball python, mm-hmm. and you just leave a rat in there for two days, you know that's that's horrible. That wow. is so dangerous. Oh, yeah. We had a guy here. Uh, he. Uh, Somebody bought a retic from him. It was a small baby, and the people left a oh, rat. Oh yeah, I remember that. The people left a rat in there for two days and yeah. didn't oh bother to take it its out. Way with that thing. Tore that retic to pieces, man. Yeah. No. I mean, it was brutal. It was bad. Like it, you could see ribs and everything. Yeah. I mean, it. it one thing I always tell people when they're when they ask me what I feed, I feed for you know I tell them I, I feed frozen thought. They're like, why don't you feed live? My first response is snakes aren't the only thing that get hungry. You know yeah. that that rat's gonna get hungry. I don't care if it's in there for oh. a couple hours. I don't mm-hmm. care if it's in there for a day, ten minutes. You know that rat could get hungry, and he's gonna take a chunk out of your snake. And I'm not willing to risk that mm-hmm. just you know for either a my entertainment or b just because it's a lot of people use the excuse i feed live because it's easier it's simple i can just throw it in there and be on about my no day. way you know i hate i hate i don't like having that. a babysit no i don't like having to babysit a snake no but see but that's sure that's what a lot of people it. say is they they just throw it in close it up let it go they don't babysit you know how dangerous that is that yeah. that's well, to me that's, that's stupid you, you only learn the hard way yeah exactly i've only yep. had, i've been fortunate enough to only have to do one live feeding my entire career of keeping animals and i can't tell you how many animals i've kept over the past several years mm-hmm. you know but i've been very fortunate to where all of my animals have taken you know frozen thought no problem i do one live feeding with a fuzzy but a fuzzy's not going to do any damage. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not worried about a fuzzy or a pinky or even something small like a hopper. You know, it's when you get into the adult mice and adult rats that the you'll large, really seen, have problems. I've seen some large rats do some damage. Because at work, we had a few, uh, you know, large boa constrictor. Again, a really old one that our teacher had from, like, the 90s. And they only ate live large rats. And, you know, we'd stand there waiting because if it missed, I've seen that rat just whip around and take a chunk out yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, and they're not so, stupid yeah, animals. Like, that's are smart. One thing that has almost kind of haunted me to this day, it didn't happen to me, but it was a story this girl told me who I used to work with. She said she had a ball python, and she fed it an adult live mouse, and she threw it in there, and the the ball grabbed it, constricted, and started to eat. And so she left for the day. She said she came back and looked in the cage 
and there was a mouse running around in her ball no. python, and her ball python had its back end had a ripped xenomorph open. Xenomorph pop out of it. Yeah, it had its back end ripped open completely. That mouse ate its way she out would, of yeah. the ball. I've heard python. of rabbits oh, doing that. Like, dude, like that's yeah. that's terrible, man. Like that right there. Like, obviously, the snake didn't, you know, choke it enough. Didn't fully kill no. it. And it clawed its way out. And this girl, like, I didn't know her that well, but she's not going to – who's going to sit there and lie to you about that? Like, she loved snakes. She mm-hmm. kept green tree pythons. She was a big keeper, you know. It wasn't one of those things she's just going to straight up lie to me about just because. Like, she's told me how screwed yeah. up that was and how it screwed her up, you know. And it's like, dude, that's that's bad, man. Like, mm-hmm. that's – I never want – I never want that to happen, you know. It's – I, yeah, I, mean, well, I that fully, sounds like a pretty yeah. rare case, though. That's yeah. crazy. I'm not saying that's going to happen to anybody, <laughs> yeah. but that's or happen to a, a bunch of people, but it definitely could happen. Yeah, that's true. Why risk it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Better safe than sorry. Again, like back to that quarantine thing, you know, just we always say, play the safe ball, you know? Right. Why risk it? No point. Exactly. You Put know, in quarantine, feed it frozen, all those things, you know? Right. You're just saving yourself future stress. Right. Live definitely has its place in as a part of feeding, but I definitely think frozen thought is absolutely the way to I go. I only do it if I have to. Right. I agree. Yeah, you exactly. know, we had one guy. It was so funny. This was a couple of weeks ago. Me and Justin were hanging out in the cigar shop and this one dude started talking to us about snakes and, uh, he, he looked at Justin. He's like, yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, feeding your animals live stuff, you know, watching them kill it. Justin looked at him and went, no, it's not. <laughs> I did. I, I lost did. it, dude. I started laughing so hard. It's Dead like it's true, man. And I looked at him. I was like, no, it's not. No, I, he's like, no, it's it's not fun. And the guy was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, really. He's like, oh, you know, like it's like no, it's we don't take enjoyment in that. I don't, you know, we love all animals, but you know, it's. Mm-hmm. I thought that was. And so I mean, funny, but sometimes man. you got to get them. I actually, I still have two green tree pythons that are, are being fed tails. And I'll be honest, they're not looking good right now. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's been like four months. And I, I said, I, I have crested geckos. And I said, fuck it. Dude. I, threw, I threw a gecko, crested gecko in there <laughs> just to see if they would take it. But I'm telling you, I don't think they're going to make it. They were scared of the gecko. Oh, geez. They were like, ah! <laughs> so I pulled it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one fell off the perch. So I don't know. I think sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get them going. No, you know? absolutely. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. Like I said, live feeding definitely has its place. And I absolutely think it's necessary at times. But... If you can make that switch, absolutely do it. It's one hundred percent safer, or even pre-killed. Yeah, yeah. I'll do. Mm-hmm. I'll do pre-killed before I do live. That's, that's also not. Yeah, fun. yeah. That's. I've you know. even <laughs> talked to some of my professors about just like pre-killed and just like. Uh, I think there's a real benefit, possibly for you know, like microfauna inside the gut. You know, yeah. I would be surprised if there's some huge benefits to doing live pre-killed, where we're just not getting all those bacteria that right. you know yeah. are in frozen food. And Harlan actually so has a secret recipe that. with a probiotic mix he puts in his, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's mentioned that before. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I know it's a big deal. I was talking to, uh, again, one of my biology professors about hawks and how important that is to give them live, fresh food in captivity, I think. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised feeding them live or, like he said, pre-killed, you know, once every few feeding could have some real benefit. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if that did, you know, as far as you know, immune system benefits and, and overall, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, even the minor stuff we come across, like RIs and whatnot, if that had any any effect on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, again, the whole thing is, how do you really know? Like, you're right. you just never get sick and like, uh, you know, so, but, you know, I think it makes sense. Cool. Sure. We're at, we're about at an hour and a half. Yeah, that's about that's about our cutoff point at this point. We normally <laughs> shoot for about an hour ten to an hour and a half or so. Real quick. Oh, what's your mm-hmm. what's your predictions for the hobby in the next five to ten years? In the next five to ten years? Ooh, can I do it for the green trees? Yeah, if you yeah, I, man, go ahead, do it. Do whatever you want. Just predictions, oh, man. I, I know this this may sound crazy. You could laugh at me, but I'm shooting for it. I think people are going to get there. I think I think we're going to get a solid a solid black green tree python one yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I think, think we're we that, we're not that far off from that either. I think we just got to keep on pushing for it. You can get just like the all black green tree. That's like that's what I'm dreaming about. Like and then day, put that in I with please. the blues. Oh yeah. See no, what I happens. think even just just 100% black. I think if someone just gets the right pairing, ooh jet black green tree that's that's my dream right there (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah i mean but overall do you see the hobby going in more of a negative or positive direction just you know rough ballpark what do you what do you think in general i think i think even because i've actually talked to when i had a career and my dad said this to me but i was like freaking out because something wasn't going right with it and, you know, he looks at me and says, like, the thing doesn't want to die. Like, just leave it alone, you know, and let it do its thing. And, you know, I think sometimes, again, with those Facebook pages, we just get, like, I don't know. Everyone's like, oh, you put it in a tank, you're an idiot. And, like, I think sometimes, I think right now it seems that everyone's going for, like, this one method, and this is the only way to keep it. Because, mm-hmm. like, again, at, at, at school, we just do it, the, like, things are usually fine in a tank with a hot side and a cool side, and, you know, people are like, oh, it's not on a thermostat in a tub, you're gonna, <laughs> I don't know. It's not bioactive? Like, yeah. You don't have isopods yeah. and springtails? <laughs> yeah, like, it's like, come on, dude, like, these things are fine, like, why do you, like, someone will be like, what do you think of my cage? And just, people just shit all over, I, I'm over Facebook, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, I don't know, I think, I think it's heading in the right direction, I think, it's hard to be negative. I don't know. I think I think in the long run, I think we're just going to get better and better. Hopefully, I think, I think so. so. I think everyone. I, really I think as so. a whole, everyone's kind of getting over the whole right. Facebook thing, especially a lot of the older yeah. guys and stuff. You know, they're just kind of like getting tired of the the right. bullshit and the drama, and so it's starting to be mm-hmm. like, you know, what yeah, if I someone wants to do something one way, do whatever you want to do. If that's going to work out for you, that's you know that's for the animal to decide. But yeah. Yeah, I think we're almost maybe in a transition phase. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think we're in a big transition phase right now. You know, we're going to move away from that. But I do think people are trying to do cool things, you know, and I think think there's still so much left to learn, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, There's always going to be more to learn in this hobby, man. It's always going to be changing, always going to be something different. Yeah, and I think, Um, I don't know, I think there's a lot of passionate people out there, and people are trying to do some crazy stuff with Bioactive that I think is so cool. So, so you know. That being said, I I think it's. I think I think we're just in a transition phase, and I hope it's going to get better from here. Right. We'll see. For cool. sure. What about For you guys? Sure. I don't. I don't know. As far I, as I'm like, having a, I have a really hard time calling. You know, calling it. I want to say I really hope we start to get better. 
and I really hope the hobby only changes in a positive way over time. But, you know, I see certain things and I say, hmm, maybe not. But then I see other things I say, yeah, there's, maybe there's so. Like a constant you know, sort of duality of, like, you see the terrible in people I think, on the internet I think and then you the see g- the good in people on the yeah, internet. And you're like, I, maybe things aren't so bad. Personally, I think the good, <clears throat> the good people are going to get better and I think the bad people are going to get worse and then drop off. You know what I mean? Like the good people that really stick this out are gonna be are gonna change this hobby like incredibly. The good always know? rises to the top. Exactly. I really feel like the people that are really striving, the like guys, will weed the, out the like guys like you and I, you know, and Luke, who are really trying to mm-hmm. better the hobby. I really feel like guys like us in our age group who are the next, the next, the generation. next generation of keepers, you know, are really gonna step up the game and change the hobby big time but you know i also feel like the people that are feeding out the bullshit in the hobby right now it's gonna make things who for people who believe that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff that they hear it's gonna make things a whole lot worse yeah you know so i really feel like it's gonna they're on one side it's gonna be really good and on the other side things are just gonna get worse i'm just gonna go back to my mantra of i'm just gonna stay in my lane and i just want to make cool green snakes (laughs) yeah whatever the internet does or whatever the internet says has zero bearing on me and what i'm doing (laughs) yeah pretty much 100 percent. sometimes you just gotta worry about what you're gonna do it's a waste of energy and time to argue with people on the internet you know oh yeah just Mm -hmm. let it go 100 read it Shake your head, move on. Yep. That's what on. I do. Exactly. Just do you, man. Every day. Do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Do what you love. Or get yeah. a good laugh mm-hmm. and then keep scrolling. <laughs> for sure. Well, do you have a business page? I know you have the Instagram. I don't know if you have a, a page for any of your stuff or if it's just your personal. Yeah, right now it's just Luke uh, Snakewalker on Instagram. That's it. Um, it's L-U-C, yeah, not L-U-K-E. L-U-C. Yeah, L-U-C, I think it's underscore Snakewalker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe one day I'll do a, a business page. I kind of like it just being fun right now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And can and can, can people add you on Facebook under Luke Snell? Uh, on Facebook, just my name, Luke Myers. Luke um, Myers. Sorry, I don't know why I said Luke <laughs> Snell. I know somebody else named Luke. Snell. I'm so sorry. No, Luke no, Myers. And again, that's L U C, not L U K E, guys. So add him on Facebook. Uh, find him on uh, Instagram at Luke underscore Snakewalker. Skywalker, Snakewalker. Yeah. It's I'm tired, man. It's been a long day. Yeah, and <laughs> I think Instagram. I post a lot more stuff. I'm sometimes on Facebook. But yeah, Instagram I need to ask you about your camera stuff. and stuff when we get done too. Yeah, dude. I, dude, I gotta use. say, you're, I'm, a, I'm a photo. I'm a, your, I'm a photography. Your pictures are bomb, dude. Those <laughs> things are awesome. I love your pictures. Super, super cool. Dude. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I took a photo a bunch in high school, and uh, I never thought I'd be taking snake pictures. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, I had used my camera since high school, and, like, I got these snakes, and I, like, went in the garage, got my camera out of a box. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I'm just trying to take pictures again. <laughs> That's so awesome, it's, dude. It's yeah. funny how life works out, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Man. For sure. All right. But thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Yeah, man, awesome. Well, as usual, rounds out episode twelve. Yeah, as usual, you right can, you can find me, Jake Brotz at JLB Morelli on Instagram and the Facebooks. You can add me on my personal page, like my business page, and all that, all that good stuff. The trifecta. Anybody who wants to check that out, and, and as you usual. can follow me on Facebook at Palmetto Coast Exotics and Instagram at Palmetto Coast Exotics. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, whatever you'd like. For sure. 
And uh, like we said, find Luke on Instagram at at L-U-C underscore snakewalker, all one word. Yep. If you want some really cool Contro pictures. Yeah, definitely check him out, guys. Hey, Super cool, dude. Thanks, guys. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, hey, we appreciate man. you doing it, man. We appreciate you coming on. It was a, it was a good time. Uh, it was nice meeting you, man, and uh, definitely stay in touch. Whenever you got those, uh, whenever you got some more babies up for sale, I might – I might, one be, I might be slightly interested. Yeah. We'll there see. we go. Goal accomplished. Got <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, definitely let All me right, know too because I, I may snag another one. Uh, we don't know. All right on, dude. I'm-